Hi, Dave Emmer here. This is for the record program number 1315. Engine Country, The Mohawk Mother's Trail Appears, Part 2. This is being recorded on October 13th of the year 2023. Before getting into the main part of the broadcast, uh, remember a couple of links. Uh, do get in the habit of checking the SpitfireList.com website on a regular basis for, among other things, the very important comments being made by Parafractal and other skilled listeners. Also, at the top of each written for the record description and at the top of each food for thought post, there are two links. One of those links will enable you to subscribe to the podcasts that are being made by Sister Station, WFNU, of For the Record. So if podcasts are the best way for you to consume the program, Sister Station, WFNU, is podcasting For the Record. And there is a link, again, at the top of each Food for Thought post and each written For the Record description that will enable you to subscribe to the podcast. Also, again, at the top of each written for the record description and at the top of each food for thought post, there is a link that will enable you to obtain the latest 32 gigabyte flash drive containing all of my life's uh, recorded and printed work, plus a mini library of old anti-fascist books on easy to download PDF files. The current Flash drive, this latest flash drive is current as of for the record 1310 and contains all of my work on the coronavirus. So please do get a hold of this. I get no money whatsoever from this. I guess, uh, proof positive that my worst critics, uh, or perhaps that could be seen as proof positive that my worst critics are correct and that I am nuts. Uh, but seriously folks, uh, do get a hold of that flash drive. I could not be more pessimistic, and uh, who knows what's going to happen to the world, who knows what's going to happen to me, uh, or the website. If you get the flash drive, you will be a repository for the information that I have been presenting over the years. Now, uh, this program is the second program in a two-part series dealing with an inquiry that is taking place primarily in Canada, it is taking place into, it is, it is looking into, that inquiry is looking into, uh, some overlapping activities in which, among other groups of people, uh, Native Americans in primarily Canada, but also the U.S., were being subjected to, uh, MKUltra-style behavior modification techniques. There are indications that quite a few, uh, young Native Americans were, uh, died as a result of the mistreatment that they received, and the Mohawk Mothers is a name that has been given to a group of women from the Mohawk tribe who are doggedly pursuing this investigation. In our first program, we began with an, uh, an article by Orasami, or we, we, we featured primarily an article by Orasami Burton from Truth Out, New Docs Links CIA to Medical Torture of Indigenous Children and Black Prisoners. And it says, while we may never know the full truth, we owe it to those harmed and killed to illuminate their stories. And this links this 
behavior modification slash MKUltra program that was conducted at the Allen Memorial Institute and McGill University in Canada to related programs that were taking place in at the Danamora and Attica Correctional Facilities in New York State under the watch of Nelson Rockefeller, and it was the Rockefeller Foundation that established the Allen Memorial Institute, as we will discuss uh, later on in the program. Uh, The U.S. has uh, basically alleged that they are that, that the U.S. cannot be sued uh, in connection with these programs. Uh, the Council for the Plaintiffs uh, disagrees and maintains that, that there are no legal uh, roadblocks to pursuing this particular piece of, uh, this particular inquiry. Uh, the article from the uh, McGill Tribune, McGill hit with class action lawsuit for alleged mind control and brainwashing experiments from 1943 to 1964 by Ghazal Azizi, and that's from April 12th of 2023. And again, these programs not only took place in Canada, but they also were taking place in American correctional institutions, and there are links with... uh, American correctional institutions in California, such as Vacaville. Uh, the U.S. Uh, was reported in the Canadian Press of March 30th of 2023 in an article by Siddhartha Banerjee to be arguing for immunity in this particular case uh, that remains somewhat uh, up in the air. The Indian Indian country reference, uh, I'm an old guy, and that used to be the, the standard term in the uh, uh, Westerns that uh, took a more or less routinely uh, racist and condescending view toward Native Americans. And it also was a grim pun, because one of the things that has emerged, as we will see, uh, and as we saw in our first program, was that apparently there are Native American remains of some of the young Native Americans who uh, were in, who were subjected to these behavior modification programs. And among the uh, indications that that is the case, an article from APTN News by Emilia Fournier, capital F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R, Cadaver dogs, this is from June 29th of 2023, cadaver dogs sniff out potential human remains near Old Royal Victoria Hospital site. But one of the problems is that uh, the soil in which the remains are apparently, or the soil that contains the remains, and also some of the artifacts that have been recovered, are not being uh, either properly or uh, speedily dealt with, the point being that some of the evidence has not been properly handled and may, may not prove to be uh, admissible. And beyond that, uh, some of the soil that apparently contains the human remains is being allowed to be exposed to the elements, and that is denigrating the forensic value of the evidence that has been unearthed. Uh, again, ground penetrating radar search wraps up at McGill University by Amelia Fournier from July 13th of 2023, also from APPN News. So in addition to cadaver dogs sniffing out uh, the 
human remains, also some ground-penetrating radar has been brought to bear. This, however, has not uh, propelled the investigation as properly as uh, it, it might have been. Uh, from the Toronto Globe and Mail, uh, a story by Patrick White. From July 28th of 2023, Mohawk mothers harassed by security at former Royal Victoria Hospital. A group of Mohawk women overseeing a search for human remains on the grounds of a former hospital in Montreal say security staff verbally abused and evicted them from the site despite a court order authorizing the work. The women are members of the Mohawk Mothers, a group that has been fighting in court since 2015 to hold a McGill University expansion project at the former Royal Victoria Hospital until it can be searched for burials. In October of 2022, a judge granted an injunction on construction until archaeological work could be completed. Earlier this year, the Mothers struck a court-authorized settlement with McGill and Société Québécoise des Infrastructures, SQI, the Quebec government agency that manages infrastructure to carry out an archaeological search at the location. But the Mohawk mothers said any goodwill created by the settlement has been undone by the actions of security personnel contacted by SQI. On the afternoon of July 25th, three security guards approached five of the women on the Royal Victoria grounds and told them to leave. The one security guard was very hostile, said one of the women, Quipio, capital K-W-E-P-I-I-O, who goes by a single name. She told us we weren't allowed to be there. I said, actually, we are allowed by court order, unquote. When someone tried to record the encounter on the phone, security staff seized the device and erased the clip, Quipio said. That's when another person on the scene started a second video recording. The video, viewed by the Globe and Mail, shows one of the mothers objecting to their treatment, saying to the security personnel, quote, I think your company needs to reassess its workers, unquote. And then, quote, I think you guys need a wife, unquote, responded the female security guard to the Assembly of Elders, who range in age from 51 to 83. Go get a wife. Go get a husband. Go get some kids. Go have some kids. And bear in mind, these are women ages 51 to 83. One of the elders, uh, Kahen Penetha, K-A-H-E-N-T-I-N-E-T-H-A, said that the, the indigenous children had been murdered on the site, quote, and now you're benefiting from these murders, unquote. Quote, exactly. We're benefiting from it. That's correct, unquote, the guard responded in the video. The elders, along with two cultural monitors, hired as part of the settlement to ensure that the archaeology work complies with traditional protocols, can then be seen leaving the grounds. I'm still in shock, said Coitello in an interview with The Globe. What happened here? Nobody will tell us, unquote. In an emailed statement, SQI said the encounter was an isolated incident and singled out one of the guards, quote, SQI condemns all forms of racism and aggression and considered the comments and behavior of this officer in particular during the incident to be unacceptable, unquote. 
The guard who made dismissive comments to the women has now been suspended pending further investigation. According to a statement from the Quebec Division of of Commissioners, the security company that employs the guards. McGill University spokesman Michelle Proulx, P-R-O-U-L-X, called the incident unfortunate and said the institution looks forward to continuing collaboration with the Mohawk mothers. We're confident the SQI, which is responsible for security on the site, is taking the appropriate steps to address the situation, unquote, he said in an email statement. We're working closely with the Mohawk mothers and the SQI in a spirit of mutual respect and collaboration, and we will continue to do so. Kimberly Murray, the federally appointed special interlocutor for missing children and unmarked graves, was one of the interveners in the case that led to the settlement agreement. She said the heated encounter could have been avoided if SQI and McGill had chosen a vetted security company with cultural competency training and a solid background in the search effort taking place on the site. Quote, what they have done is completely contrary to what is supposed to be a collaborative approach as per the settlement agreement, unquote, she said. Quateo said that the older mothers won't feel comfortable returning to the site unless security personnel changes. Quote, we are not satisfied returning, yet because we have asked questions about people employed there and about getting them cultural training and haven't received answers, she said, they need to speak to us in a culturally appropriate manner. We need to have this resolved as quick as possible because we need to find our children, unquote. So it certainly sounds like uh, the Mohawk mothers are not being very uh, fairly treated in this. Uh, still more about the treatment meted out to the Mohawk mothers. This also from APPN News. Mohawk mothers say McGill University trying to, quote, control, unquote, process of search for unmarked graves. This also by Emilia Fournier, capital F-O-U-R, N-I-E-R, from August 4th of 2023. A previous article, Mohawk Mothers Harassed by Security of Former Royal Victoria Hospital by Patrick White from the Toronto Globe and Mail from July 28th of 2023. And again, this article, Mohawk Mothers say McGill University trying to, quote, control, unquote, process of search for unmarked graves. I can end the subhead here. Archaeological dig at old Montreal hospital on hold after incident with security guard. A spokesperson for the Mohawk Mothers, or Canisensera, say the group feels pushed aside in the search for unmarked graves on a site owned by Société Québécoise des Infrastructures, or SQI. McGill says it leases part of the property. Quote, The process can no longer by any means be considered indigenous-led as the SQI and McGill attempt to control the whole process reducing the role of indigenous people to performing ceremonies on the site, unquote. Said Kahenda Neneta, one of the mothers who added that they feel blindsided by the communications that happened without consulting them. That uh, woman's name, by the couple K-A-H-E-N-P-I-N-E-T-H-A, I may be butchering the pronunciation. 
The process, uh, in the continuing, Quebec's Infrastructure Society, or SQI, said McGill put out both statements August 3rd, saying nine potential grave sites were identified through ground-penetrating radar, or GPR, without consulting the Conestancera. They excluded the information that, according to Geoscan's report, quote, it is possible that some of the unknown features may be unmarked graves, particularly in the case of older burials without coffins, and also possibly child-sized graves. By the way, a woman named Popping, uh, who had been an inmate at the uh, patient at the hospital, uh, reported seeing late-night burials uh, with shovels with red handles, and that may very well have been uh, the interning of the interring of uh, young uh, deceased Native Americans. Uh, resuming again with the article. Quebec's Infrastructure Society, or SQI, said McGill put out both statements on August 3rd, saying nine potential grave sites were identified through ground-penetrating radar, or GPR, without consulting the Conestancera. They excluded the information that, according to Geoscan's report, quote, it is possible that some of the unknown features may be unmarked graves, particularly in the case of older burials without coffins, and also possibly child-sized graves. The only way we can find out is to be right there, because we are not told, and I don't know why the material goes to them, and then they distribute it in the way they want, and eventually we get a copy of it, unquote, she said. It seems like this is violating the court order, unquote. They were present on site when archaeologists also dug up a woman's dress and a pair of children's shoes, the style dating back to around the 1940s. But the archaeologist panel appointed in the settlement agreement said that they need to appoint a forensic specialist to handle these items, something the SQI has refused, said researcher Philippe Bruin. That has been refuted now, officially, even though it was a recommendation from the panel, and their recommendations are supposed to be binding as per the settlement agreement. It's been refused by the SQI, he said. In, a, in an email statement to APN News, the SQI stated that a bioarchaeologist is present when archaeological works are underway, but did not say whether they were trained in handling potential criminal evidence. Quote, the dress was found just a few inches inside the ground and then put in a plastic bag, but it has to be a tamper-proof bag for it to stand in a criminal court. There are many chances that it is possible that this comes to a criminal court and this chain of custody has to be preserved for prosecution to be successful, said Bluin. Bluin said they also have left partially covered piles of dirt to sit in the rain since July 25th that was dug up where sniffer dogs detected the scent of human remains in early June. One more time because this is important. And this this is the, the grim pun when I'm talking about engine country. Bluin said they also have left partially covered piles of dirt to sit in the rain since July 25th that was dug up where sniffer dogs detected the scent of human remains in early June. The piles had not been sifted through, and that was also a recommendation from the panel that was not respond, not respected by the SQI to sift through these piles that were extracted from the site where the search dogs sniffed a target to, to sift through them. Well, I'm going to read this again. The piles had not been sifted through, 
and that was also a recommendation from the panel that was not respected by the SQI to sift through these piles that were extracted from the site where the search dogs sniffed a target to sift through them immediately because the human remains could be inside these piles, unquote. Kahantaneta said that in the midst of these recommendations being ignored, quote, despite publicly stating that their support, one more time, despite publicly stating their support for the process and commitment to reconciliation, McGill and SQI have unilaterally deemed the public's, the panel's mandate terminated. One more time. Kahantaneta said that in the midst of these recommendations being ignored, quote, despite publicly stating their support for the process and commitment to reconciliation, McGill and SQI have unilaterally deemed the panel's mandate terminated, unquote. This would mean that archaeological works would continue with the firm ethnoscope, but they would be guided by McGill and SQI rather than a panel of expert archaeologists. The SQI stated that the archaeologists' panel had the mandate to submit two reports of recommendations, one being submitted on May 8th and the other on July 17th. The SQI said they were, quote, very satisfied by and grateful for the work accomplished by the experts, unquote. The settlement agreement states, quote, SQI, McGill, and the and the Mohawk mothers agreed to be bound by the recommendations of the panel as to the techniques and agreed to be guided by the recommendations of the panel as to the specialists to carry out the techniques and analyze the relevant data, but McGill and SQI retained discretion to retain other providers with the appropriate qualifications and expertise if the circumstances warrant, unquote. The Mohawk mothers also don't want to return to work until they have Mohawk security guards and a security guard appointed by a private company. At, one more time, the, kind of, the Mohawk mothers also don't want to return to work until they have Mohawk security guards. After a security guard appointed by a private company hired by SQI kicked them off the grounds on July 25th, quote, "We need to have our own people to do the security." And we do have a group in uh, uh, Kanawake, K-A-H-N-A-W-A-K-E, ready to come and do it, and we're working on bringing them in, unquote. Archaeological digs have been suspended since that incident. The SQI and McGill both said that the dialogue is underway with the Mohawk mothers. In In an email statement to APPN, the SQI did not say whether they'd hired a Mohawk security firm, but said the agents assigned to the site would receive, quote, awareness training about indigenous realities, including a portion on residential schools and missing children, unquote, as well as, quote, a specific training on Mohawk culture provided by the mothers. Well, um, this is, well, it, it is a, a disturbing modern frustration, that's a polite word, uh, or nullification, which I think would be a better word, of uh, Native American rights. In this case, what we've got, basically, is a group of elderly Mohawk women uh, 
overseeing a search for the uh, remains of young indigenous children who appear to have been killed during the process of this uh, behavior modification program. Again, it was uh, uh, Native Americans in uh, both primarily Canada, but also some in the U.S., as well as black inmates at Dannemora and Attica prisons in New York State, uh, when Nelson Rockefeller was governor of the state of New York, have been... Uh, victims of these MKUltra and behavior modification uh, type of programs. Some of them were specifically uh, MKUltra Subproject 68. And one of the things about uh, the programs here, uh, they could be said to follow uh, something of what, for lack of a better term, might be called a Rockefeller vector. Uh, the Rockefeller Foundation set these uh, in, set, set these institutions up, and we're going to read something now about uh, the founding of these uh, institutions by the Rockefeller Foundation. We're going to be going to be reading from the book "Thy Will Be Done: The Conquest of the Amazon." Nelson Rockefeller and Evangelism in the Age of Oil. This offered by Gerard Colby with Charlotte Bennett, D E N E. It's published in softcover by HarperCollins Publishers and is copyrighted 1976 by Peter Collier. Um, actually, no, um, it is copyrighted 1995 by Gerard Colby and Charlotte Bennett. Now, the first thing that we're going to read from that will be done, and that concerns the... Uh, Nelson Rockefeller and Rockefeller Foundation involvement with uh, the MKUltra program and uh, also the founding of the Allen Memorial Institute. And uh, this next this section is called Bending Minds with MKUltra. Nelson needed little introduction to MKUltra. The CIA's use of the, the health of HEW for mind control experiments had been initiated during his tenure as undersecretary. The Rockefeller Foundation was also no stranger to this field of research. In 1943, it had set up Allen Memorial Institute at McGill University in Montreal. The Institute's articles attracted the attention of the Pentagon and the CIA, and Pentagon grants for research on brainwashing grew steadily. These are some of the programs involved that were being investigated by the Mohawk Mothers and also had overlapping programs in New York State at Bannamora and Attica Correctional Institutes when Nelson Rockefeller was governor of New York State. It was uh, continuing with uh, Colbert, uh, Colby and Bennett's uh, account here. It was not long before Adolph Burley agreed to serve on the board of the Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology, a foundation the CIA created as a front, as a cover for NKUltra. I am frightened about this one, unquote, Burley wrote in his diary. If the scientists do what they have laid out for themselves, men will become manageable ants. But I don't think it will happen. Well, <laughs> It did, but uh, you know, Mr. Burley was uh, frightened, and uh, he had reason to be continuing. There were eminent physicians and scientists on the board of the society, but lurking behind the sterile, formal reports of the researchers was violence. 
Unaware of there being guinea pigs for the CIA, patients were given a, quote, sleep cocktail, unquote, of 100 milligrams of thorazine, 100 milligrams of nembutol, 100 milligrams of secanol, 100 milligrams of veranol, and 10 milligrams of phenergan, and subjected to 150 volts of electroshocks for periods of 20 to 90 times longer than normally applied by physicians, two to three times a day for 15 to 30 days, and sometimes as long as 65 days. The CIA was interested in creating a blank mind that could be reprogrammed. The Rockefeller Foundation funded the sensory deprivation research. The techniques involved strapping people down in a large box and cutting them off from light, sound, smells, or touching. In March of 1955, HEW's National Institutes of Health began CIA-funded experiments using the standard technique, minus the practice of freeing subjects when they wanted to be freed. Soon, mind control experiments spread throughout the country, nurtured by funding directed by Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, head of the chemical division of the CIA Technical Services staff, and, according to one former CIA officer, part of the old boy network in the CIA that included Nelson Rockefeller's former CIAA associate in Brazil, J.C. King, now CIA chief of clandestine activities in the Western Hemisphere. In May of 1955, the CIA received a startling proposal to, quote, provide for agency-sponsored research involving covert biological and chemical warfare, unquote. Dr. Charles Geschichter asked the CIA to contribute $375,000 toward the construction of a special cancer research building at Georgetown University Hospital. He promised a, quote, hospital safe house, unquote, with one-sixth of the building's beds dedicated to the CIA, complete with cover for three CIA scientists and, quote, human patients and volunteers for experimental use, unquote, including the severely mentally retarded and terminal cancer patients. Alan Bellis approved, but the CIA money passed through private channels would allow Geschichte to get matching funds from HEW for the hospital's construction. This use of private foundations to pass on government or CIA money so HEW's matching grant requirements could be met would mean deliberate misleading of at least one other executive department of the U.S. government, HEW, and probably the Treasury Department's Internal Revenue Service as well. Dulles decided to play it safe and get higher approval. He knew just the man. Nelson Rockefeller, as chairman of the special group, listened attentively as Douglas laid out his case for the NKUltra hospital. His only question was whether Geschichte could offer, quote, a reasonable expectation, unquote, that the CIA scientists would have the space he promised. Given Bellis's assurance, Nelson gave his approval. During Nelson's chairmanship of the special group, the CIA also searched for some means to program assassins. The CIA had discovered that a man, quote, could be surreptitiously drugged through the medium of an alcoholic cocktail at a social party and the subject induced to perform the act of attempting assassination, unquote, of an official in a government in which he was, quote, well-established socially and politically, unquote. One more time. The CIA had discovered that a man, quote, could be surreptitiously drugged through the medium of an alcoholic cocktail at a social party 
and the subject induced to perform the act of attempting assassination, unquote, of an official in the government in which he was, quote, well-established socially and politically, unquote. The CIA officer in charge of security for the operation was Sheffield Edwards. Edwards later worked with Edward Lansdale in Operation Mongoose, the assassination attempts against Fidel Castro. And uh, one of the interesting aspects of uh, the of Nelson Rockefeller's research uh, or, or overseeing of this research and the Rockefeller Foundation's establishing of the Allen Memorial Institute. And uh, Nelson Rockefeller himself uh, was an individual who presided over uh, some really heinous activities to which Native Americans were subjected uh, largely in Latin America, but there is also a, a degree of irony in that uh, Nelson Rockefeller's life was saved when he was on a, a hunting trip, actually saved twice, when he was on a hunting trip to Alaska. And, uh, and yet what uh, the authors here call a debt, unquote, remained unpaid. And uh, in Chapter 8 we read in the section called A Debt Unpaid, Nelson Rockefeller owed his life to an Indian. Twice. In 1939, he rented an amphibious plane and flew to a remote lake in the, in the mountains of Alaska to hunt big game with three friends and an Indian guide. On the third day, Nelson and the guide came upon two bears, a brown grizzly and a giant Kodiak. Nelson chose, chose the larger trophy. He lifted his rifle, sighted on the Kodiak's huge bulk, and heard the crack of his gun and the wimp of a, the wump of a bullet striking home. The bear fell. With the grizzly fleeing into the woods, Nelson thought he was safe. It all happened so fast that the Indian could not stop him. Nelson leaped forward to check out his prize when the beast, now all hatred and rage, spung alive. Shoot again, the Indian shouted. Nelson did, but he was nervous and missed. The wounded bear charged. Nelson stood there in shock, watching almost a ton of claws and teeth roaring down on him. The Indian dropped on a knee to steady his aim, and he fired. The Kodiak collapsed. A few days later, Nelson was pursuing easier prey, mountain goats, when he froze on a narrow cliff ledge above a 400-foot drop. Only after five minutes of reassurances was the Indian able to coax him slowly down to safety. Less than a year later, however, when asked to help Indians, Nelson was reluctant. Bureau of Indian Affairs Commissioner John Collier wanted Nelson to arrange federal funding for the new National Indian Institute mandated by the Patsocuaro Conference, that's P-A-P-Z-C-U-A-R-O Conference. Nelson as head of Roosevelt's new Office of the Coordinator of Inter-American Affairs, or CIAA, refused until Roosevelt ordered him to stop stalling. When Collier wanted Nelson to support the nutrition study and a soybean project among the impoverished Otomi Indians of Mexico, Rockefeller again declined. Only public pressure and presidential intervention turned Rockefeller around. And Rockefeller's, uh, well, his unwillingness not only to repay the debt where that uh, guy basically saved his life a couple of times, but beyond that, uh, Nelson Rockefeller uh, 
has been in an executive capacity uh, responsible for the uh, destruction or serious rearranging of indigenous peoples in various places, in particular in Latin America and in the Amazon and the Brazilian Amazon in particular. And uh, we're going to uh, relate a little bit about that because this uh, is, I think, interesting to see how uh, Native Americans have continued to be uh, on the receiving end of the nasty side of the nasty part of the stick, so to speak, uh, through institutions that uh, Nelson Rockefeller helped to uh, found through the Rockefeller Foundation. And again, he was uh, one of the uh, driving forces early on for MKUltra. Printing now to Thy Will Be Done, The Conquest of the Amazon, Nelson Rockefeller, and Evangelism in the Age of Oil, the authors write. Trying to persuade others of crimes against humanity is not an easy task, especially when these crimes occur in distant lands and powerful names at home are raised. In Brazil, documents that might have been useful in naming those who were responsible for high crimes against Indian peoples perished in a mysterious fire at the archives of the government's service for the protection of the Indian. Fortunately, Reports by anthropologists and unusual political circumstances prompted Brazil's Attorney General to conduct his own investigation. But the conquest of the Amazon is not only about the Brazilian Amazon. The Amazon River Basin, including the mighty river's tributaries, also spans much of Peru, Colombia, Ecuador, Bolivia, and part of Venezuela, an area the size of the United States. Nor is conquest just about atrocities. Reports by anthropologists and government officials often describe genocide and ethnocide as an unnecessarily unnecessarily cruel process of frontier development. By the end of our investigation, we have discovered that this process bore striking similarities to the conquest of the American West and involved some of the same powerful North American economic and political forces. In the Amazon basis country, excuse me, in the Amazon basin countries, the conquest followed the general trend of exploring for oil, rubber, and minerals, building roads and airstrips, backing surveys for colonization, expanding cash agriculture for the detriment of indigenous subsistence agriculture, raising the rainforests, and U.S. competition with other big powers over geographical spheres of influence. All this was assisted by a foreign aid system which was gradually crafted over 30 years by Nelson Rockefeller, beginning as Roosevelt's coordinator of inter-American affairs during World War II and as Truman's foreign aid architect. The missionaries came in on the cultural, social, and political side of the conquest, their leader influenced by Rockefeller philanthropies and a counterinsurgency network shaped by Nelson Rockefeller's developmental goals. Summer Institute of Linguistics, or SIL, was hired by military dictatorships and civilian governments, often headed by Nelson's allies, to pacify the tribes and integrate them into national economies increasingly being brought into the North American market. SIL used the Bible to teach indigenous people to, quote, obey the government 
for all authority comes from God, unquote. In our research, we found that those who challenged the assum- this assumption and the legacy left behind by Rockefeller and Townsend, that's of the Summer, in, in, Summer Linguistic Institute, in my research, beginning again, in my research, we found that those who challenged this assumption and the legacy left behind by Rockefeller and Townsend often paid the price of rejection through criticism, denial, or worse, deafening silence. We remember particularly the late Michael Lambert, a former ethnobotany graduate student at Harvard University who did field research in the Amazon. He will be remembered for his quiet determination to bring the genocide of Amazonian Indians to the attention of his Harvard colleagues. He described his experience as a painful one. No one, however, has suffered more pain than indigenous people. Unlocking the secrets took too many years, but ultimately, but unlocking the secrets took too many years for us, but ultimately for them. If this book makes future inquiries easier and wiser, it will have served its purpose. And a very uh, startling introduction uh, to this book. And again, uh, it is very ironic that uh, Nelson Rockefeller's life was saved twice in one hunting trip by an Indian or Native American guide. And uh, he not only was less than... Uh, uh, brisk in his uh, uh, administrations of uh, Indian affairs or Native American affairs uh, under uh, Franklin Roosevelt. But as we see here, uh, as part of both his political and business undertakings, uh, Nelson Rockefeller presided over the decimation of indigenous tribes in the, the Amazon and elsewhere. An example of this the dark, comforting silence of the confessional shattered as the tiny sliding door wrapped open, sprang light to a small screen. Yes, my son encouraged the priest when the male voice whispering faltered. Then, out of the shadows, it came. A torrent of crimes so overpowering that Father Edgar Smith's vow of silence shook to its Jesuit foundations. Murder, the man explained. Mass murder had been committed, and he, Apaide Pereira, had taken part. That that man, his name, I may be mispronouncing that, capital A-T-A-I-D-E, last name, capital P-E-R-E-I-R-A. Murder, the man explained. Mass murder had been committed, and he, Apaide Pereira, had taken part. He could no longer live with his conscience. Besides, he had not been paid the $15 he was promised. The victims was Sintas Vargas, capital C-I-N-T-A-S, Vargas, capital L-A-R-G-A-S, a small Indian tribe in the Brazilian Amazon. Named for the broad belts of bark that were their only clothing, this group of some 400 souls have lived for centuries along the Aripuana River, A-L-I-P-U-N-A River, hunting and fishing with arrows dipped in curare, successfully resisting all intruders. But now, Brazilian and foreign companies covered their lands. The Indians were marked for removal. Since Brazilian law technically protected the Indians as wards of the state, only surreptitious violence could be used. It was a common enough solution. 
the general overseer of a local rubber company, Francisco Bebrito, the D-E capital B-R-I-T-O, have already earned the local title of champion Indian killer by taking any Indians he captured, quote, on a visit to the dentist, unquote. The victim was forced, quote, to open wide, unquote, and shot through the mouth with a pistol. But one band of Sintas Largus had eluded the final solution by living deep in the jungle. Fortunately for Bebrito, a man was found who knew enough of the culture of the Sintas Largus to tell him the precise day when most of the, the people of, the, of this village were likely to gather. That occasion would be deceptively joyful, their annual family reunion. The Indians would gather in the center of the village to pray, feast, and consult ancestral spirits represented by masquerading one more time. The Indians would gather at the center of the village to pray, feast, and consult ancestral spirits represented by masquerading dancers. The Beto concluded that the ceremony would be the perfect target for an aerial bombing. He hired a pilot and a commercial Cessna that flew over the village on the holy day, dropping sugar on the first pass and dynamite on the second. To hunt down the survivors seen fleeing into the jungle, the Beto turned to his underling, Chico, a man with a fondness for the machete. Pereira was one of Chico's recruits. Quote, we went by launch up the Huayna River, Pereira said. That's kind of J-U-R-U-E-N-A. There were six of us, men of experience commanded by Chico, who used to shove his Tommy gun in your direction whenever he gave you an order. It took a good many days upstream in the Sierra de Norte. After that, we lost ourselves in the woods, although Chico had bought a Japanese compass, had brought a Japanese compass with us. In the end, the plane found us. It was the same plane they used to massacre the Indians, and they threw us down some provisions and ammunition. After that, we went for five days, then we ran out of food again. We came across an Indian village that had been wiped out and we dug up some of the Indians' manioc for food and caught a few small fish. By this time, we were fed up, and some of us wanted to go back, but Chico said he'd kill anybody who tried to desert. It was another five days after that before we saw any smoke. Even then, the Sintas Largus were days away. We were all pretty scared of one another. In this kind of place, should. In this kind of place, people shoot each other and get shot, you might say, without knowing why. When they drill a hole in you, they have this habit of sticking an Indian arrow in the wound to put the blame on the Indians. The men hacked their way through the jungle, fighting off all hordes of insects enduring heat and downpours. Quote, we were handpicked for the job, as quiet as any Indian party when they came to slipping in and out of trees. When we got the Sintas Largus country, there were no more fires and no more talking. As soon as we spotted their village, we made a stop for the night. We got up before dawn, then we dragged ourselves yard by yard through the underbrush until we were in range, and after that, we waited for the sun to come up. The clamor of the jungle night as hushed, the clamor of the jungle night hushed as dawn broke over the village. A young Indian boy of about five had just stepped out to watch his elders work on the new huts they were building when a murderous barrage of bullets poured on the village, cutting the men down where they stood. 
Armed whites appeared among the huts, firing their, wim- their weapons. One more time. Armed whites appeared among the huts, firing their weapons indiscriminately until only a boy and a young Indian girl to whom he had fled for safety were left. The terrified child was yelling his head off, unquote. Pereira tried to stop Chico when he moved on the children, but Chico shrugged him off. Chico shot the boy through the head. Pereira pleaded for the girl's life, reminding Chico de Bito's, reminding Chico of De Bito's penchant for prostituting Indian Golomotan. Chico shot the boy through the head. Pereira pleaded for the girl's life, reminding Chico of De Bito's penchant for prostituting Indian girls and of their own sexual appetites. Chico was unmoved. He gained sexual satisfaction through violence. We all thought he'd gone off his head, unquote, Pereira said, and we were pretty scared of him. He tied the Indian girl up and hung her head downward from a tree, legs apart, and chopped her in half right down the middle with his machete, almost with a single stroke, I'd say. The village was like a slaughterhouse. He calmed down after he cut the woman up and told us to burn down all the huts and throw the bodies into the river. After that, we grabbed our things and started back. We kept going after nightfall, and we took care to cover our tracks. It took us six weeks to find the Sintas Largus, and about a week to get back. When they arrived at Arapuana, a tropical Dodge city, Chico brought samples of one he found in the sea. Chico, excuse me, one more time. When they arrived at Arapuana, a, a tropical Dodge city, Chico bought samples of ore he found in the area to Dubito to keep the company pleased, unquote. Father Smith kept his head. Using all the powers of absolution at his command, he prevailed on Pereira to repeat his story on tape. I want to say now that personally I have nothing against the Indians, unquote, Pereira claimed, but the Indians' lands were rich in gold, diamonds, and rare minerals. The fact is the Indians are sitting on valuable land and doing nothing with it. They've got a way of finding the best plantation land, and there's all these valuable minerals about, too. They have got to be persuaded to go, and if all else fails, well, then it has to be for us. Father Smith turned over the tape to local authorities, demanding an investigation, but for years the 1963 massacre of the Sintas Largus was covered up. Three prosecutors had withdrawn from the case, claiming conflicts of interest. Only when a congressional outcry over the growing sales of Amazonian lands to foreign companies prompted revelations in 1968 by the Interior Minister of Widespread Indian Genocide did the Attorney General press for a trial. The Sintas Largus massacre turned out not to be an exceptional case. More than $62 million worth of Indian property had been stolen in the previous decade, and at least a thousand crimes ranging from embezzlement to murder were laid at the doorstep of the government's world-acclaimed Indian agency, the Service for the Protection of the Indian, or SPI. A special commission had spent 58 days traveling 10,000 miles to survey the Indian tribes, visiting more than 130 posts. The evidence of genocide was overwhelming. Twenty volumes of evidence have been collected documenting the destruction of whole tribes. Attacks by outsiders using everything from poisoned food to clothing infected with smallpox have resulted in Indian deaths by the tens of thousands. 
Anthropologists' estimates of the Indian population in Brazil range from just below 100,000 to a high of 200,000 Indians in 1957. By 1968, these estimates had been cut by 50%, anywhere from 40,000 to as many as 100,000 men, women, and children had died. The Indians north of the Amazon River had suffered particularly after 1964 when the military coup overthrew the elected government. Now, Nationalist Army officers led by General Albuquerque Lima, L-I-M-A, the, the Interior Minister, wanted the Holocaust stopped along with the foreign corporate penetration of the Amazon that they claimed had fanned the flames. By then, however, most of the witnesses of the Sintos Largas massacre as well as Father Smith either had disappeared or were dead. The activities of the SPI had been destroyed in a mysterious fire, excuse me, the archives of the SPI had been destroyed in a mysterious fire. Finally, guns and tanks intervened. A military coup in December of 1968, the second in four years, deposed the Nationalist Attorney General and the Imperial Minister. None of the 134 SPI officials charged with crimes would ever stand trial. The Attorney General's charge that SPI had been corrupted by starvation of government resources and, quote, the disastrous impact of missionary activity, unquote, remained officially ignored. So did the claim of Journal do Brazil in 1968 that, quote, in reality, those in command of these Indian protection posts are North American missionaries. They are in all the posts and they disfigure the original Indian culture and enforce the acceptance of Protestantism, unquote. But officials of the American Fundamentalist Missionary Organization that worked with the SPI among the tribes, the Summer Institute of Linguistics, or SIL, known in the United States by its less scientific alias, the Wycliffe Bible Translators, denied that any genocide took place. The head of SIL's branch in Brazil disclaimed all reports of genocide, and the founder of SIL, William Cameron Townsend, denied any knowledge of the massacres at all. The Sintas Largas case and the Indians themselves seemed slated for oblivion until the Sunday Times of London resurrected the genocide charge in 1969. Norman Lewis again raised the specter of foreign companies moving into the Brazilian Amazon. He reported that, quote, deposits of rare metals were being found in the area of the Sintas Largas. What these metals were was not clear. Some sort of security blackout has been imposed, only fitfully penetrated by vague reports of the activities of American and European companies and the smuggling of plane loads of the said rare metals back to the USA. A little over a year later, the International Police Academy, a school in Washington sponsored by the Agency for International Development, but actually run by the CIA, would report that a new Indian Guard was being trained in Brazil. The Indian Guard, with a capital A and a capital G, by the way, modeled after the tribal police of the U.S. Bureau of Indian Affairs, was placed under the authority of the regime's hurried replacement for the disgraced SPI, the National Foundation for the Indian, known in Brazil by its Portuguese acronym FUNAI, capital F-U-N-A-I, all in capitals. FUNAI, in turn, was placed under the command of the former chief of military intelligence. 
It would take another two years before a Pops Funai agent would reveal that the Indian Guard was rounding up resisting Indians for, quote, re-education, unquote, at a concentration camp at Krenake in the mining state of Minas Geras. I am tired of being a grave digger of the Indians, unquote, the agent stated on resigning from FUNAI. I do not intend to contribute to the enrichment of economic groups at the cost of the extinction of primitive cultures, unquote. By then, Fuma had adopted the BIA's policy of leasing Indian lands to mining companies, while its military superiors in the Interior Ministry in Brasilia were cooperating with the U.S. Geological Survey in an AID-sponsored aerial survey of the Amazon. Among the American companies that would be allowed to enter the Sintas Largas Reservation to explore for Cassiterite, a vital component in tin production, was a firm partly controlled by a friend of Nelson Rockefeller's. So, uh, and perhaps it will seem a little bit, I don't know, stretched or corny or far-fetched, but uh, the abuses of Native Americans are not something that is in the past, and it certainly is not... Uh, limited to North America, it's not limited to the U.S., it took place in Canada, and it has taken place in Latin America and all over the world. But again, I think it's, it's very interesting to see what is unfolding now in the search of the Mohawk mothers, where uh, they're looking into things that, among other things, McGill University, uh, the Allen Memorial Institute, those things founded by the Rockefeller Foundation, and Nelson Rockefeller himself, um, having survived a hunting trip in Alaska, thanks only to his Indian guide. Uh, Nelson Rockefeller has been uh, less than uh, fulfilling in his uh, discharging of responsibilities with regard to Native Americans. This concludes, for the record, program number 1315, Engine Country, The Mohawk Mother's Trail of Tears, Part 2, this is being recorded on October 13th of the year 2023. I'm Dave Emery. Have fun.